Job chapter 9. <clears throat> Last week, the title of my message, I've, I've tried, been trying to get a little more creative with my, ser- my sermon titles. So I don't know if you've noticed or not. It, it, you know, it, it's actually hard work for me to, to get creative I, for some reason. I don't know. But anyway, the title of the sermon last week was The Cruelty of Logic. I, I kind of thought that was a cool one. Um, uh, and uh, I, I made this statement. I said that <clears throat> when we only see God through the eyes of logic, then we only see God as just and holy. There's no room for love and kindness. And this week as I was kind of putting together my final thoughts for tonight's message, I I thought back on that, that statement. And the reality is we oftentimes can look at God in, in different lenses, do we not? Uh, we, we, you know, obviously the lens of logic, we see God's holy and just and he's, and, he's, and he's going to bring punishment and all of these things. And this guy Bildad, that's how he viewed God. But then there are those of us that only see God through the lens of love and kindness and oh God would never send anybody to hell or God would never do this or that and you know we only see that one aspect and it it started me thinking and contemplating the fact that you know no matter who we are or what we are going through is that not how we view God is through our circumstances when we're going through a a difficult time do we not view God through the lens of that whatever it is? And I, I started thinking about it, and, and oftentimes we equate those four characteristics to God. More often than not, those are the four that God gets credit for, the fact that he's holy, just, loving, and kind. Now, can anybody tell me how many attributes of God there are? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay, theologians still fight about it. They have for centuries. But tonight, I want us to think about something. And as I was, <clears throat> I was contemplating making a list of God's attributes. And I thought, no, his attributes are seen in his many names. God has many names in Scripture, and I, I'm only going to give you a sampling of the names tonight. And, and when I get done, you're going to say, that's only a sampling of it? Oh, yeah, there's, there's many, many more. Jehovah, God is Jehovah. That means I am who I am. Exodus chapter 3. God is Jehovah, Makedesh. God who sanctifies. Leviticus chapter 20. God is infinite. God is beyond measure. He's infinite. 
Romans chapter 11, verse 33. And if, you, if you're trying to write all this down, it may be easier if you just text me or email me. I'll just send you this list. <laughs> it's going to be hard to keep up. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There is nothing that God cannot do. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 17 and 18. Uh, uh, Also in chapter 26 and, or excuse me, verses 26 and 27. God is love, is he not? 1 John chapter 4. God is Jehovah Jireh. That means the, the, the God who provides. Is there anything God cannot provide for you? No. Genesis chapter 22. God is Jehovah Shalom. Anybody know what that one is? The God of peace. Judges chapter 6, verses 16 to 24. God is immutable. Does anybody know what that one is? Unchanging. He does not change. He has never changed. Psalm chapter 102, verses 25 to 28. God is holy. It it, it literally means that he is unique and incomprehensible. His holiness we cannot understand. I lost my place. Where do you, where to go? Uh, Revelation chapter four, uh, verses eight to eleven. God is Jehovah Rapha. Anybody know what that one means? It means God heals. Exodus chapter fifteen, verses twenty-two to twenty-six. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. There's nothing God does not know. God does not wake up in the morning and say, oh, that Brian, he did it again. I forgot about Brian. He doesn't do that. (laughs) Psalm chapter 139, verses 1 through 6. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, all at the same time. So when you think you're getting away with it, guess what? Good Southern lingo, you ain't. Psalm chapter 139, verses 7 to 12. He is merciful. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 29 to 31. He is sovereign. It means he rules his creation. He's sovereign. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 to 13. God is Jehovah Nisi. Anybody know what that one means? He is my banner. What does it mean that God is my banner? Brandon? No, it's not it's not the protector. Close though, close. Yes, it was it was it's the banner is a sign of victory. So God is my victory. Let's see where where where's that one? Uh, Exodus chapter 17. Verses 8 to 15. God is faithful. He honors his covenant and promises. Uh, uh, Psalm chapter 89, verses 1 to 8. Jehovah El Shaddai, God 
Almighty. Genesis chapter 49, verses 22 to 26. God is Adonai, or Master, or Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. And God is Elohim, or strength and power. Genesis chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. And the list goes on and on and on. Bildad made this mistake. He tried to put God in a box. And guess what? You can't do that. You can't do that. The title of my message, and I love this title, not, not because I came up with it, but because it describes who God is. The Limitless God. The Limitless God. You like that one? Yes. Let's start reading Job chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I know it is so uh, of the truth, but how should man be just with God? <clears throat> if he will contend with him and cannot answer him one of, of a thousand, he is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered. Which, re, which, removeth, which removeth the mountains, and they know not, which overturneth them in anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars there, thereof tremble, who commandeth the sun, and it rises not, and sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh uh, Antarus and Orion, uh, um, Orion, excuse me, and uh, whatever that other one is, I don't know, uh, uh, and the chambers of the south, which, doth do, which, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wander without number. Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away who can uh, hinder him. He will say unto me, what, do, what doest thou? If God will not withdraw his anger, the proud helper, helpers do stoop under him let's pray dear lord thank you for this day thank you for your love and for for all that you do for us lord as we look at your word tonight i ask that you would speak to our hearts you would encourage us that you would strengthen us and that you would help us dear god to be what you'd have us to be for it's in christ's name we pray amen bildad last week we saw in chapter eight bildad did his best to build a logical argument to 
I don't know, put Job in his place, I guess, so to speak. To get Job to understand that it was he who was wrong and not God. Until he came to the cause and effect portion of his argument. And he failed to realize that we, or he, saw the effect. He saw the effect. He saw that Job was suffering, that Job had lost everything, but he had not seen and did not know what the cause was. Now, I want to I kind of go back and review a little bit because last week I gave you an illustration that of cause and effect. Anybody, anybody remember the illustration? It was the coyote that I saw on the highway. You know, I, I saw a coyote on the highway, and, and <clears throat> for those of you that weren't here last week, I'll, I'll tell you that what happened. I, I was driving down Highway 50, and I, I saw a coyote on the highway, and what was, you know, what was my, first in, my first thought? He got hit by a car or, or a semi or something. Now, that, that is the assumption of the effect, or, or excuse me, that is the assumption of the cause. The effect is the coyote was dead. So we assume the cause. But as we talked about it last week, do we know that that's what the cause was? We don't know. <clears throat> yeah, he could have had a heart attack. He could have, you know, he, he could have he got halfway across the highway and just died of old age, you know? Kind of, kind of like Bob. If we ever see Bob in the middle of the highway, you know, it just—it was his time, you know. Okay, so the failure of Bildad is the same failure that we do. We see the effect, and we think we know the cause. Oh, you got sin in your life. Now, the reality is this. The cause in Job's life was that God loved him and wanted to teach him something. Is that not right? So Bildad was trying to build a case until he got to the cause and effect, and then that's where he lost the, the battle, so to speak. Now, Job... In chapter 9 and 10, Job is going to build a logical case back. But he's going to do it in, 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 in legal terms like he was going to be in court. Okay, He uses words like um, uh, to, to contend in chapter, uh, chapter 9 verse 3. He, uses the, he used the word contend, which means to enter into litigation, a, a legal term. And, uh, he also uses the word answer, uh, means to testify in court. Uh, he used the word judge in verse 15, uh, uh, means to be an opponent at law or, or an accuser in, a, in the court of law. He uses in verse 19 the phrase, set a time, which means to summon to court. 
In verse 33, he uses the word daysman, which means an umpire or an arbitrator. In verse uh, <clears throat> chapter 13, verse 3, he uses the word reason or to, to, to argue a case. In verse 18, he says to order my cause or to prepare my case. Another legal term. Plead in verse 19, which is an obvious one, is to, to dispute it in court. And then in verse 35, he uses the word adversary or, or accuser in court. So, so, so Job is going to build a legal, logical case to effect, effectively put Bildad in his place. Point number one, we see in verses one and two, Point number one, how can man be just before God? Look at verses one and two. And then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? The word just here means to be righteous or to... Um, uh, uh, have good good conduct or good character. Now, I have a question for you. In a court of law, can any man, any man that has ever lived, stand on his own, toe-to-toe with God in a court of law, and declare himself righteous? Can't do it. Because it wouldn't, it, 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 it's impossible. And that's what Job is saying here in verse 2. He's like, there, there's no way in the world that I can stand before a holy God and say that I'm just or that I'm righteous. Job asks the question in these two verses and then goes on to explain the rest of the verses that we that we read er, earlier. God can do what he wants to do. If God wants to move a mountain, he can move a mountain. If God wants something, it's he can do it. What he wants to do, he can do. Where he wants to go, he can go. Job asked the question, can man be just before God? And then in the preceding verses, he goes on to basically explain there is nothing man can do to be justified in it before God in his own power. There is a lesson that we can take away from this right here, right now. And that is this. You ready for this? Write this down because this is good. Okay? God's in control. God's in control. Number two. How could I answer him? Verse 15. 
whom thou I were <clears throat> were righteous, yet would I uh, not answer, but I would make supplication to my judge. I couldn't answer him. If I tried, if I was in a court of law, and, and basically what he's saying here in a nutshell is, uh, he has all the answers. I only have questions. And 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 in fact, I I didn't realize this until studying for this. But seventy-seven times later, and we'll 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 be looking into this later. But in chapters thirty-eight and forty, God asked Job seventy-seven questions. In those two chapters, and Job just stand there, stands there and goes, uh, 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 uh. But here Job is saying, uh, uh. He's speechless. Yeah, I, I, hey, I do that all the time. My wife is used to it. Hey, if you can't laugh at yourself, man, you're in big trouble. But, but you know the the, the reality is this: as I was as I was thinking about this and reading through it, how many times have you been there? Not only do you not know the answer, you don't even know the question. You know, when I went through all the names of God and all and, and the attributes of God, and again, I, I just scratched the surface. There's a whole bunch more. <clears throat> He's in control. In fact, I have another lesson for you here at point number two. I want you to write this down because this is this is good. This is are you ready? God's in control. Look at verse 20 of our, of our uh, chapter 9. If I justify my, myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. Boy, doesn't that sound about right? If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, Yet would I not know my soul. I would despise my life. This is one thing. Therefore, I, I say it. He destroyeth the perfect and the wicked. Number three. How can I defend myself? What's the understood answer to that question? You can't. Job says it in verse 20, uh, if I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. We cannot defend ourselves. As I, as I read this, this, the, these three verses, I, I immediately thought of Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. 
But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and to do the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. You know, I don't know about you, but I looked at my neighbor's yard this morning, Tony, and there was just as much snow in my unsaved neighbor's yard as there was in my yard. Huh? <laughs> God sends rain on the just and the unjust. And Job is telling his friend, his friend Bildad, you know what? I, I cannot defend myself in a court of law. If I were, if I were in a court of law with, with standing toe-to-toe to God, there, there is nothing, there is nothing that I can say. But Bildad, I don't believe, I don't believe Bildad believed that. I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that Bildad thought he was just in his own eyes and that he could stand toe-to-toe and justify his actions. Like Bildad, oftentimes... We see the effect in people's lives. We see the situations that people are going through. And we draw conclusions based on on our life experiences of why is that person going through all that trouble? Well, it's the only reason is because, and you fill in the blank. But that's not true. We ought not do that for one thing. We need to never forget. Lesson from point number three. Anybody know what it is? God's in control. God is in control. Verse 25. Now my days are swifter than than a post. They flee away. They see no good they are passed away as a swift ship as the eagle that hasteth to the prey if i say i will forget my complaint i will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself point number four how can i be happy again Have you ever thought that? I have. Have you ever been in a situation where you, not only can you not see the end of the tunnel, but it just seems like it just goes forever and you ask the question, am I ever going to be happy again? I love verse 27. I love it. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will 
leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. In other words, what's he saying? Well, if I just have positive thoughts, everything's going to be okay. You know, I, I, yeah, you know, and that really works, right? Yeah. Every, you know, I, I, my wife and I watch the Hallmark Channel, okay, the, the movies on Hallmark. We just do, okay? Don't, don't condemn me, okay? <clears throat> but I want to throw something at the TV when they, they say stupid things like that. Oh, just, just follow your heart. I, I I look at I look at her and say this is Hallmark just just it's stupid okay just <clears throat> oh yeah I I love that I got a text I won't tell you who it's from I got a text this morning somebody telling me that they're sick and they said we won't be there physically but we'll send our spirits and i wanted to write back and say no leave your spirit at home i i really don't want your spirit okay just just leave it at home i you know that kind of freaks me out a little anyway but yeah they meant well They, they meant well but job was having a first class pity party was he not have you ever made this statement like I've made? You can ask my wife. I have actually said this. Leave me alone. I am having a great pity party. Just leave me alone. I'm having fun. Hey, y'all ever do that? Okay. Well, that's what Job's doing, okay? Some of you, and I know, I know the Cruises remember very well, a very, very dear friend of mine, Pastor Mike Ranspot, and uh, he pastored him in Carson City. Some of you knew him. But before he died, he told me that his favorite verse was Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I'd like to share that with you. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is an incredible verse. I love this verse. Can anybody tell me what the key word in that verse is? Wait. Wait. That's one of those four-letter words. That word wait came right out of the pit of hell. We hate that word, do we not? Yes, yes. I have, I have determined that it is an evil, wicked word. Wait. What is the lesson from point number four? God is in control. God is in control. Number five, we see in verses 32 and 33. For he is not a man 
<clears throat> as I am, that I should answer him, and he and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Point number five. I can't, how can I come to him? How can I come to him? What does he say here? I need a daysman. What? I, I, I read this word earlier when I was talking about the legal definition. What is a daysman? An arbitrator. What's another word for an arbitrator or a daysman? An intercessor, a mediator, a lawyer are, are other words. And uh, uh, no, not necessarily a referee. A referee would be the judge. Um, <clears throat> but it is someone who is the go-between. It is the person that goes between you and God. And Job is saying, look, how could I even consider going before God? I can't. He's If he was a man and he's not, I couldn't. I need a daysman. I need a mediator. I need an, uh, someone to act as go-between. Praise God we have that in Jesus Christ. First <clears throat> Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My children, excuse me, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have a what? advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the what? The propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Can anybody tell me who is Jesus Christ? He is our mediator. He's our advocate. He's our lawyer. But he's also our propitiation. Say that one five times fast. Okay? That's a cool word, but what does it mean? It means propitiation. I like that. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, what does it mean, Rick? It is the down payment. It is the... How many of you have ever bought a house? Okay, when you buy a house, what do they want? They want earnest money, right? Well... Well, technically they are, but yeah. But earnest money, it is it is the guarantee to the person who owns the house that I'm going to follow through on what I've started. And that's what Jesus Christ says in our lives. He is the earnest money. He is the guarantee that we have that when we die, guess what? It's going to be completed. So, what do you think lesson is for point number five? God is in control. Amen. Let's look at chapter 10. Let's start reading verse 1. <clears throat> my soul is weary in my life, uh, of my life. 
I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the, the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me <clears throat> wherefore uh, thou contendest with me. Is this good unto thee that thou shouldst oppress, that thou shouldst despise the work of, of thine hand and shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Hast thou eyes of flesh or see, seest thou as man seeth? Are thy days as the days of men? <clears throat> are thy years as men's years that thou uh, inquirest after my iniquity and searcheth after my sin? Thou knowest that I am not wicked and there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. Look at verse 18. 18. Chapter 10, verse 18. Wherefore hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye had seen me. Point number six. Why am I here? Why am I here? Job spent time contemplating his worth. And he pours out his heart here in chapter 10 and he's basically saying, why am I here? What, what, what good have I done in, in this world? What, what, what legacy, what effect am I going to have? And his question is reasonable, at least it is in my thinking, reasonable that the, to the, the fact that he's considering the, this, this, this pointless pain and suffering that he's been going through for months. The fact that he lost everything and every person that was ever precious to him. And all he's got left are these quote-unquote three friends. Don't you think you would feel the same way? And, he's, and he asks the question, why am I here? Why, why am I here? Job could never even begin to understand yet what God was doing in the background. Job had no idea. We, it's easy for us because we know Job chapter 1 through, what was it, 4, I think it was, where God lays out his plan. So we know the plan. We know the cause and the effect. But all Job knew was the effect. He, he didn't even know why God was doing what he was doing. He did not understand the spiritual battle that was taking place in heaven. He had no idea of all of this stuff. And in a sense, Job makes us, he doesn't make this statement, but he does in a sense. He says, my life is a waste. Now, what is, what is wrong with that statement? The first thing that's wrong with that statement is he has forgotten everything prior to losing everything, all the blessing and everything that he had done in his life prior to all that. 
He'd forgotten about all that. I'm here to ask you a question. Was Job's life away? It, just say, just say, Job died right then. And the book of Job only had 10 chapters in it. Would Job's life have been a waste? No. If for no other reason, his life is still impacting people today. Saved and unsaved. You can ask most unsaved people in this world who Jesus Christ is, and, and, and there are a lot of people in our world today who would say, who? But you say, hey, have you ever heard of a guy named Job? Oh, yeah, I know Job. His life is still affecting people today. So his life was not a waste. In Mark chapter 14, verses 3 and 4, it says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman uh, having an uh, alabaster box of ointment of spikener, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Now, I have a question for you. Was it a waste? Absolutely not. It was a precious gift to an almighty God. A sweet-smelling savor, if you would. It was not a waste. When John and Betsy Stam were martyred in China in 1934, there were some that asked the question, why this waste? Quote, unquote. But the triumph of John and Betsy Stam <clears throat> is a book that was written by a, a lady named uh, 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 Mrs. Uh, Howard Ty uh, Taylor, excuse me, uh, has been a life-changing book since it was published in 1935. Their lives were not a waste. What about the five missionaries in Ecuador that were <clears throat> killed by the Aka Indians? Their lives are still affecting people today. And I'm here to tell you, God makes no mistakes. And there have been times, I can guarantee there have been times in your life, you have asked the exact same question that Job asked. Why am I here? Why do I have to go through what I'm going through? And I'm here to tell you, God's in control. Let him have his way in your life. There is a reason. There is a purpose. We don't always see it. But there's always a reason. And Job, later in his life, I don't know, I, I'm just, this is my opinion. I don't know, I don't think that Job truly understood it all, even this side of heaven. 
I don't believe Job co- totally comprehended everything that went on until he got to heaven and was able to see it all. I don't know. But there are, you, I, you are going to go through things in life similar to Job, maybe not, it doesn't matter, but there's a reason. And there's a reason for your life. And when we can get a hold of the truth that God's in control, then God can do great things through us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank